Welcome to the On The Green Podcast, where we'll give you the latest news and events from the world of golf and spotlight golf courses from around Northeast Florida and the First Coast. We'll take you inside the ropes with interviews, strategies for playing the courses, and get a tip from the head professional. Each show will also feature an interview with a prominent golf insider. They'll share firsthand stories and insights you won't hear anywhere else. Now, here's your host of On the Green, Tim Eiley. Hello, and welcome to another edition of On the Green Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Eiley. We're coming to you today from Studio Podcast Suites here in Jacksonville, Florida. You can find this podcast on your favorite podcast platform or check us out on our website, onthegreenconsulting.com. On today's show, we're going to introduce a new segment that I hope will be both entertaining and informative and will spotlight the University of North Florida Golf Complex and the UNF men's golf team with head coach Scott Schroeder. It's going to be a great show, so welcome to the seventh edition of On the Green Podcast. Now, the new segment this week has a working title of Tidbits from the Tours. And during this segment, we're going to look for stories across the professional tours that you might have missed over the past couple of weeks. Now, this segment is sponsored by the Kinnacle Group, which was established in 1892, and they're one of the largest commercial print, direct mail, and wide format companies in the country, located in beautiful Savannah, Georgia. Now, the Kinnacle Group produces high-quality work, not only locally and regionally, but also for some of America's most well-known corporations. If you love golf, you'll love doing business with this company. Third-generation owner Al Kinnacle is an avid golfer and was the chairman of the Liberty Mutual Legends of Golf on the Champions Tour for 11 years and was also the 2019 chairman of the RBC Heritage presented by Boeing. And now having done business with the Kinnacle Group since 2002, I can assure you there is no project they can't handle for your business. So go to Kinnacle.com today. That's K-E-N-N-I-C-K-E-L-L.com today. And now for the new segment, Tidbits from the Tours. So at the PGA Championship, I'm sure most of you saw or at least heard about Ricky Fowler missing a six-inch putt on number 15 on Friday. Now, that's something all of us amateur golfers have done before, but to see it on that level, well, it's got to make you feel good. What you may not know is that missed happen led to a missed cut and cost Ricky his consecutive cuts-made streak in major championships. When was the last time he'd missed a cut in a major championship? Would you believe the 2016 U.S. Open? So I'm sure that miss stung a little bit more. Now on the LPGA Tour, American Danielle Kang did something that had not been done since 2017 when she won in back-to-back weeks on the LPGA Tour, the first at the Drive-On Championship and then the Marathon Classic. Who was the last back-to-back winner in 2017? That was China's Shen Shen Fang. Now, keeping with the LPGA Tour, Stacey Lewis won a four-woman playoff to win the Ladies Scottish Open for her first win since becoming a mom in 2018. So go mom. She was also the third American to win in a row since the LPGA Tour restart. The last time three Americans have won back-to-back-to-back weeks was 2014, and Stacey Lewis was a part of that as well. 
The first that year was Michelle Wee winning her one and only major at the U.S. Open at Pinehurst, followed by Stacy Lewis winning the following week at the Walmart Northwest Arkansas Championship. And finally, Mo Martin won her first major championship that following week at the Women's British Open. Now, at the season-ending Wyndham Championship, Brooks Kepka actually apologized for some of his comments pointed at his fellow tour players, which happened on the eve of the PGA Championship. Now, those of you who know Brooks, that is some big news. And now we're going to play a little game called Guess the Pro. And I'll throw out some facts and figures, and you try to guess the player. Are you ready? All right. He came into the Wyndham Championship last week with these stats. He had only made 7 of 18 cuts. He was ranked 197th in birdie average, 188th in driving distance, and 198th in putts per round. Do you have a guess yet? Well, if you guessed tournament winner Jim Herman, then congratulations. Even though he was 197th in birdie average coming into the tournament, he ends up shooting 61-63 on the weekend to tie the PGA Tour scoring record of 124. Pretty amazing. Uh, It was Jim's third win on tour, and as he said in his interview with Golf Channel, and I quote, it's my third win with three different putting strokes. So I guess there's hope for the rest of us. And those are the tidbits from the tours presented by the Kinnacle Group. So today we're going to spotlight the University of North Florida here in Jacksonville, more specifically the UNF Golf Complex, which is a 38-acre state-of-the-art practice facility and four-hole practice course, and we'll get an in-depth look at the UNF Golf Program. And here to talk about both is men's head coach, Scott Schroeder. Scott, welcome to On the Green Podcast. Tim, thanks for having me. Now, Scott, before we talk about the men's golf team, let's spend some time talking about the University of North Florida Golf Complex. So, first of all, what is your role with the practice facility? I help oversee the facility for the university. So, from a day-in and day-out basis, I'll end up doing some things. But more likely, I just help oversee the direction the facility is trying to go long-term and how the operations run in day in and day out. Try to avoid having to do any actual day in and day out running of the register. That, it happens occasionally where a college right. kid has something pop up and <laughs> I might have to slide behind the register. But that's the goal is for me to be trying to create the vision for where it's trying to go uh, for the university. Okay. And I understand you also have your team headquarters there as well. So that's got to be kind of nice. Yeah, we have our, our locker room and the ladies team has their locker room. And then both teams have access to the uh, the private side of the range, which is the opposite side of the public side of the facility that any people from the town may come out and hit some balls underneath our cover shot or something like that. They, they see us back there in the back. Okay. And so I know there's a lot of amenities associated with the 38 acre complex uh, that can be enjoyed obviously by the students and the faculty, but also you welcome the public as well. Yeah, it's, it's honestly, I think about 85 to 90% of our, our business comes from people from outside of our university community. So they help drive the facility and, and keep it functional. Um, if we didn't have people in this community supporting it, they would, it would really struggle financially. And so when somebody comes out there, what are they going to find as far as, uh, you know, things to do out there? Yeah, so we have a driving range, short game area, and then there's four holes. Um, we probably make the majority of our revenue off of the driving range. Um, you know, we have the power tee set up. We have the driving range where we have uh, we have grass on Monday, Friday, Saturday, 
Sunday. I'm mean, struggling with my days there. Right. Um, but uh, And then that's covered, too, so with our cover shot, which has lights and fans, which helps this time of year, especially in the shade. You know, they advertise that it's 12 to 15 degrees cooler. So you get one of those days that it's 92 degrees and the sun's just baking on you. It's going to feel more like it's about 80 underneath there. Oh, that's which, nice. Which makes it way nicer for hitting range balls in the middle of the afternoon. Um, Absolutely. Obviously, the mornings in Jacksonville aren't too bad and the evenings aren't too bad. But that middle of the day, if you want to go hit some golf balls, it's not a whole lot of fun when the sun's baking on you. And this allows people to get under some shade and, and, and hit, hit golf balls. That's wonderful. Now, I know you just mentioned the four-hole course. I know my daughter who goes to UNF. She, we've, I've taken her out there and played a few times before taking her out to a championship golf course. So that that kind of allows that intimidation to kind of go away. So when they do go out and play a regulation golf course, uh, they're going to be okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a really good for beginners. Um, we have some regulars that'll come out and practice, but it really is more designed probably for your, you know, you're going to take your five year old out to play some holes, or your ten year old, or you're going to take your wife to, who's really never played, or your girlfriend, or even a couple guys that are just getting started. You know, you just go out there and you're you're not going to probably have anybody behind you pushing at you, and you can hit a few extra shots. Um, it just allows you to do, start develop some comfort level of being on a golf course because. There's nothing worse than rolling into your local public course for your first time playing or, you know, and you got people stacked up behind you that are right. wanting to play in three hours and 45 minutes and you're standing over it like Jordan Spieth who can't pull the trigger right now. <laughs> That's right. I agree. I agree totally. And it, it really did help. So obviously if, if you want to improve your game, this is a place where you want to go. So uh, do you all offer lessons out there as well? Yeah, we have about 15 different instructors. We have four or five that are on a daily basis and then we have about another 10 that come and go, we'll do something else in their regular lives, and but they've been in the golf business before, and they want to teach some different people. So um, they're all independent contractors. Um, we have a bit, we have an agreement with them, and they come and go as they please, and it, it allows a lot of different varieties. We've got some to teach kids, some to teach adults. So they're a little bit all over the place, which I think, though, allows you know them to hopefully get us more customers, but also allows people to come and, and learn the game. And again, it's it's overall. You got the practice range, you got the short game, the putting green, and then once you feel comfortable, you can go out and try a few, you know, regulation holes, and uh, again, hone your game. So you've got some some definitely some great amenities out there for every skill level. So if somebody wants to come out and oh, give it a try, how do they, how, do they? You know, where, where can they call? What? Yeah. So the phone number for the facility is six two zero two zero five zero. Obviously, we're in the Nile Forward area code. Um, right now we're open from nine until dark. Normally our hours before COVID were eight to 10 every day, except for Sunday, we closed at dark. Uh, I think we're going to, we'll get back to more like that starting in September. Um, we just reopened two weeks ago. So we, uh, we talked about, so we spent most of COVID lockdown, um, right. cause the university was shut down. Um, so now if people want to come out, they just come out. It's a public facility. You know, we're, there's about two or three times a year. We might have a private event that, Allow, doesn't allow them to use some part of the facility, but it's so rare. You know, you can call, but you just come on out. We're right on the right there, are just off JTB, and uh, pretty easy to get in and out of. You're not really having to go on to campus. I know that's usually one of the fears. All oh, it's on UNS campus. Well, you're we're on the corner of the campus, which right. is a giant difference than having to drive around through the middle of the campus. Yeah, JTB and Kernan, it's right there. It's easy. Yeah, like you said, easy access in and out. So, well, thank you for giving us a quick inside the ropes look at the UNF golf complex, and now. I want to turn uh, our attention to the UNF men's golf team. You are the head coach. You've been the head coach there for, what, 15 years or so? 15 years this Thanksgiving. That's so. incredible. Um, so what brought you to UNF? Let's start there. 
Well, was a, I guess I was a 17-year-old high school golfer, and I was recruited to play golf at UNF. So that would be the start of my affiliation with UNF. And, uh, you know, the golf courses in Jacksonville is probably what attracted me to come to UNF. I was probably going to go to school at either UNF, Florida Southern, or South Florida. Um, and I just loved all the different variety of golf courses that Jacksonville had to offer. And um, I didn't want to get too far from home, but it was far enough to be a little bit away from home. But just day in and day out, the different golf courses and the access to TPC some and Jack's Golf. And back when I played here, we played Queens Harbor a lot, Windsor okay. Park a lot. Um, you know, so it just made it for me. I grew up on a you know a course that was probably something similar to Jack's Beach, the local public golf course. Um, and this allowed me to see more different golf courses, which I thought was good for my golf game. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, you've built. Uh you know, quite the resume in the past 15 years. And I'm going to read a few things to our listeners. And I ha- I want to uh, preface this by saying I had to pare this down a little bit for the show. I think we'd run out of time. Uh, but you have, in the past 15 years, your seven-time Atlantic Sun Conference Coach of the Year. Uh, your teams have had 11 NCAA regional appearances, including 10 straight, five NCAA championship appearances. And in your tenure, obviously, you're Players have performed well because you've coached three Ping All-Americans, 32 All-Atlantic Sun Conference honorees, 51 Atlantic Sun Academic Honor Roll members, five uh, A-Sun championships in the past 10 years, which is incredible. And you also had some of your players uh, represent the United States on both the Walker Cup and the Palmer Cup teams, which is, I mean, you can't get much higher than that on the amateur side. And recently, six former players were named to the Atlantic Sun All-Decade Team. So you must be very proud of your program and, of course, your players. Yeah, it's been fun. You know, I mean, I think you know when I took over the program, I came in with a vision of what I thought I needed to do. It probably took me about a year and a half to two years to come up with that vision. And I just determined that, you know, the state of Florida and Jacksonville in itself produces a lot of really good junior golfers. <laughs> so I set out the goal of trying to convince the kids in Jacksonville to stay home and you know, of those guys that you just reeled off all those accolades, probably half of them played golf in high school in this town, um, maybe even a few more than that if we really broke down the percentage of it. And I just determined that if I can get half the kids from Jacksonville to stay here, I wasn't trying to get them all. I'm realistic. Sure. That, that some kids grow up down the street and they're like, I, can I get, how far can I get away from mom and dad? <laughs> and I just asked those kids to be honest with me at the start. I was, I'm always very honest when, in the recruiting process. I'm like, do you want to stay near home or not? And, I'm, and I had numerous kids that like, I want to get away. So, but I was able to find enough kids that wanted to stay here. Um, I was able to sell the vision of playing go- college golf with guys that you've been friends with all your life. And over the first couple of years, it started to build. And over the last 10 years, it's been fun. We've had, you know, we've built some good runs, you know, five NCAA finals, you know, we teed off about eight or nine years ago, we teed off the last round of NCAAs and we were tied for third place, which is you know, if you think about that from a perspective and you look at other sports, you know, we didn't play very good the last day. I think we were in finished 11th or something like that. Right. But the T, so the third place, that's, that's pretty good for a school, just a little school in Jacksonville, um, trying to compete for a national championship, basically. Absolutely. I mean, there are so many programs out there, uh, you know, the Oklahoma States and the Wake Forests and the Georgia Techs and, and things. And to compete against those guys, you know, the big boys. And again, you know, UNF is, you know, campus of what, 10, 12,000? We're a little bigger than that. We're, or, we're about 17. Okay, but, 17 but still, 000. when you really, really break it down and then you look at the financial differences from us 
right. to what they're, I think I did a, I did a research project recently. I think I looked at it. We, we spend on college golf about 97th or 98th most in the country. Um, maybe right around a hundred. Yeah. And, and you know, and that's, that's whatever you spend from a fundraising perspective and whatever you spend from a, um, the school gives you just a lot of different things that go into running the golf program. There's schools that we're competing against that spend three times what we spend. And many of those schools that we're fortunate enough that we beat year in and year out. Right. Which is, which is incredible. That's a testament to your, to your coaching and your ability to be able to find those guys that can come in and compete at a very, very high level. So, what do you stress kind of to your players that enables them to perform, you know, so well on a division one level? I mean, I think I, I, hopefully I've built a culture of trying to play golf a certain way. And um, I try to really preach to my guys. They have to become comfortable being uncomfortable. That's what golf is. Yes. You know, we watch it. Like you always talk about it. We watch it in the PGA championship, watch any of the majors on Sunday, a guy's now in an uncomfortable situation. The amount of times that we all watched guys on Sundays that lose after they've played great for three days, well, their their skill level didn't change. Their mind, body, mm-hmm. all the things that – so we really try to talk about some of that because I think that's a huge portion of taking your game to the next level is you getting yourself comfortable, un, comfortable being uncomfortable. Right. And so we spend a lot of time talking about that. So we do a lot of things in Jacksonville even. Like we play courses and – we have all sorts of special rules. You know, I, we could be playing in Deerwood, and if they hit it left of a cart path, it's OB. Well, you think about that, that's going to get you a little bit more uncomfortable in your mind. And, um, you know, we'll, we do short sides because, you know, if you, when you play just normal, regular public golf, the pin's usually not four from the edge. Right. Usually it's nine or ten. Well, then the short side's not pretty easy. These kids all chip it so well, it's not a big deal. So we'll make rules that if you miss the green on a certain side, you add a shot. You know, so just a lot of different things that are going to get their minds out of just playing a regular casual around the golf. So, cause then when you go to a tournament round, your mind's always been running at that back home at a different rate. You're going to, it's going to be easier for you. Um, I can tell you numerous times I've had freshmen and sophomores, especially freshmen that come in and they're just not a whole lot of fan of that. Right. Um, but then my guys, as they understand how that prepares them, they buy into it. They buy into the challenge of understanding. You now coach set up today that if I shoot 74, it's pretty good. Well, there's major championships and sometimes like even par is good. Right. You know, so we try to get that differential of like, yeah, this is a day you should go shoot low. This is a day you got to go grind out a score. Um, and I think this hopefully prepares us for a lot of different situations that we're going to see throughout the course of a year. And I think that's what uh, people talk about all the time is the mental side. So having that being strong mentally, even if, even if your game is off a little bit that day, it, it helps you to get through the round and, and get shoot the lowest score you possibly can instead of shooting one of those 76s or 78s that takes you right out of it. Well, we, we've all watched it on TV. It's, Absolutely. And that's, I think that's one of the neatest things to watch on the PGA Tour when you can see a guy just mentally starting to struggle. And you have to, talk, you have to be open and willing to talk about how, how are you going to slow down? How are you going to not look at the leaderboard? Or how are you going to look at it and be able to stay relaxed? And and each person, I think, has to handle some of that differently. Um, you know, the guys that are the great closers on tour just have that, you know, that Jordan instinct that, that we like to talk about in sports. And then there's other guys that you're like, God, he, every time he's there, it's just a matter of, and he's just out there making a nice living. But you, we know he's going to, he's the guy that, well, he's not winning this week. Exactly. Yeah, he exactly. might be in good position on Saturday afternoon, but like, 
I know, he knows, <laughs> the other guys know, we all know, and that's and that's just it's part of what you have to figure out sometimes to, to get to the next to, to that elite level. Exactly right. So you have the 2019-2020 season that comes to an end surprisingly to COVID-19, which is unfortunate, but you all had accomplished a lot already in in your shortened season. I mean, you had top 10s in all eight of your events played and you finished the year ranked 37th in the country, which is you know, that's wonderful. Uh, but I know that you probably had a feeling that your team might, things might've been a little bit different if you'd had the whole season. Yeah. And last year was a build of a, a bit of a rebuilding year for us. Um, we had just come off of four seniors graduating the previous year. So going into the year, if you had told me we'd be ranked 37th in the middle of March, I'd have probably said, okay, where, where am I going to sign up for this? <laughs> um, but with that being said, I knew we had enough talent to do that. It was just a matter of how they were going to deal with things. And, and we were trending in a, in a better direction because some of the younger players were, were making some nice strides. Um, and, you know, we were about to have our home event. Usually you, if you play well in your home event, we have a nice field at the hate. So, therefore, that would help our ranking a little bit. Um, you know, the hard part is obviously everything just stopped. You know, you just didn't do anything. So um, now we'll, we'll start prepping back up a little bit for – trying to figure out where we're going to re-go from there. I mean, right now we're lucky. I got a lot, I mean, I have maybe as much talent as I've ever had um, when you go with 12 players that we have on the team. Right. Um, and it'll, it'll be a fun to get them to get past last year and how it finished so oddly. My two seniors from last year that could have left or taken the COVID red shirts and, and they're going to return. Um, oh, no kidding. That's yeah, great. So, but it's still, you know, the, the for the, for college athletes, it's an odd, odd world right now, especially in golf. So, you know, I want to mention this, you know, you have, like you said, you have a good mix of kind of upperclassmen, a couple of freshmen. And uh, I was there on hand when Cody Carroll, uh, who was a junior this year, uh, won the 59th Jacksonville Amateur. So, again, just give us a little bit more of a critique of the guys you think that are going to be playing on a week-in, week-out basis. Yeah, so we'll start with Cody. Cody is a Jacksonville kid, won the state high school as a senior or junior. I'm not sure which year it was off the top of my head. Um, he was a sophomore last year, actually, um, would have been junior this year, but right. he's already told me that he plans on staying for the extra year that he's going to get. Cause he's going to go to grad school. He's like, why wouldn't I sure. play college golf and go to grad school? Five years of college golf. That's not a bad deal. And I even <laughs> somewhat got to play the one year I redshirted. Um, good player, um, continues to, he would be one of those. I think as things continue to slow down, sky's only the limit for him. Um, overanalyzes things a little bit. Anybody that knows Cody knows what I'm talking about. Um, but will be a staple in our lineup. I think he played every event last year, maybe except for one. Um, I would anticipate that if he doesn't play, that either means he's not playing well or we're really good. Um, Michael Matisse, who's a Jacksonville kid, went to bowls. Many people probably know his name was our best player last year. Wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me to see him be our best player again this year. Um, Michael's just continued to get better. Um, first couple of years in college, it was the younger guy ahead behind all those older guys and it stepped into the pretty good leadership role last year, did a nice job for me um, and helping me. Sometimes you need a message to get to your players that's not coming from you. And he would do a really good job if me and him would sit and talk and then he would help, you know, back up some of the stuff that we were doing, which is an important part of building the team. Sure. Getting them going in the right direction. And then you got Davis Lee, who Davis, um, Pontevedra kid, Played, I think every played every event last year for us. A little inconsistent, but that's not abnormal for a freshman. But his good's really good. Um, it'll be fun to see what he's accomplished during COVID. Um, I know he's worked hard on his game. 
didn't play as many tournaments as maybe he'd like, but there weren't as many tournaments for kids to play in as, I mean, they were playing, but there just wasn't as many tournaments for some kids. Right. Um, and then after that, our lineup gets to be pretty open. Um, we got Nick Grablesek, who's an incoming freshman that at this point in his career, he's accomplished as much as almost any recruit I've ever had. Uh, I don't like to throw that type of pressure on freshmen, um, but if he plays the way he's capable of, he should be one of our better players. Um, and then, then you got a large group of three other freshmen that are nice players. Uh, Jason Duff's another local kid, um, and then you got you know Nick Infante's a, a redshirted senior who's a grad transfer last year who's talented, and if he plays well, his goods really good. So uh, it's a giant guessing game for me to think of who's going to sure. really fill those last couple spots. Um, and there's a multitude of guys that could maybe move themselves even into the top spots. Really, the difference from our one to five is from Michael at one and whoever happens to be five is really, really small. We're, we're going to be really good because we're really consistent, not because we have a stud probably just carrying us. You know, I've had teams before where my one and two guys are significantly better than my three, four, and five. Sure. And you see that a lot in college golf as a team has two really good players and then three uh, okay players, and that carries them. Well, we're going to be a little more across the board, and ho- hopefully each week it's a different guy that carries us that week. Um, where too, too often you see teams that, well, the same guy finished low man nine straight times. Right, right. That right, means exactly. they don't have much depth. So we should be able to handle, we should be able to avoid ever really playing bad because our low man probably is going to be different almost every other week. Makes sense. Um, so are, are you going to play in the fall? No. Um, just last Thursday we got told that our fall season has been canceled for us in the Atlantic Sun. Um, we're going to do some stuff. We're waiting to find out how many hours we're allowed to practice. And if that happens, we're going to do some tournaments amongst ourselves, which would be, you know, divide the team up. We have 12 players. We'll drive into three teams of four, and we'll do some fun tournaments like that to keep them uh, competing that way. And then sure. we're also fortunate the FSGA is going to do a really good job. They're going to host three or four events. Golf Channel's hosting an event or two. So these kids hopefully should be able to get out and play in a couple events on their own. Um, and then it's now it's just a matter of we're just hoping to get through the fall, and then we're hopeful, obviously, that things get a little bit more normal, and then we're playing stuff of normal schedule in the spring. It's obviously it's hard for golf because I mean, like I mean, I've traveled with my daughter to five or six events this summer. You know, there's kids playing everywhere. It's the right. one sport that really never stopped. Exactly right. You know, exactly right. So it's and people ask me, well, I'm like, I get it. Golf's never stopped, but you, we can't be the only college sport playing. You know, there's no administrators that are going to support that. That golf's the only sport playing, so it's not realistic. So, um, as long as these kids can get out and play in some individual stuff, they'll survive. We're just we're in odd times right now, and if they get the opportunity and we can play, we'll probably play an extra event or two in the spring. So, like I told them, I go, it's not that big a deal. We'll probably at the end of the day, we'll probably play one, maybe two less events than we'd play in a full year. It's just going to all be in the spring versus it's spread between the two. So, not really that big a deal. Okay, and and who's going to be your toughest? Uh Atlantic Sun conference team. Yeah, so Liberty is really good. Liberty, uh, I think they were in the top 25 last year. Um, Jeff does a really good job up there. Um, he's probably one of my better friends in coaching, so we talk all the time. Um, they got a really veteran up team. I was hopeful that a couple of their seniors wouldn't take the extra year, but that was not <laughs> the case. Um, and then they had a kid, Jonathan Yon, who made it to match play and won a match. So they have, you know, at the U.S. Amateur last week. Um, they'll be really good. Like I always tell my guys, because they're like, "Oh, we got to beat them for the length." So I go, oh, "That's that's part of the goal, but we don't play defense in this sport, right?" So if we go play really, really good and we're ranked twentieth in the country and they beat us and they're ranked fifteenth, that, that that's absolutely fine, you know, you know. But take that back. If we win conference and we're fiftieth, and uh, that's not so good. So 
you know, our go- our goals are, I, I try to drive our goals a little bit more off of how well we are competing nationally um, and let the A-Sun accomplishments fall where they may. Because I can't stop another A-Sun school from being good. Um, and I, you know, so if, because the, if they do a really good job, that doesn't mean I've done a bad job or my players have done a bad job, you know, because we, because like I said, there's no defense played in golf. It's not like we can adjust. Let's go to a zone. Right. We're, we're, we're stuck with what we got. So if we have a team that's played really, really well, I'll tell them they've played really well. And if that means we're the best team, they son, that's good. And, but if we happen to be the third, it's okay. Cause our, at the end of the day, our goal is to make it to the NCAA finals. And right. And so getting to regionals is the first step of being able to do that and then getting out of regionals and, and you can't, nothing that really happens. The sun's going to really stop or even help that. So you just got to focus on yourselves. It's the, it's the one beauty of golf is like you really only can control one person and that's yourself. And so for, therefore for me, I can control only 12. Um, so I just kind of worry about the guys on our team and, and, and getting them ready to play their best. Well, I, I think after uh, hearing all this from you, there's uh, kind of no question why you've gotten to the position you've gotten to with your guys. You got you do a great job. The program uh, continues to get better year after year. So we, we appreciate you giving us kind of an inside-the-ropes look at the, the golf complex, which I hope people will take advantage of because it's a great spot. And, of course, your men's golf program at the University of North Florida. So we appreciate your time, and we wish you and the team uh, the best of luck. And this year. Thanks for having me, Tim. Look forward. Okay. I enjoyed it. All right. We've been talking with Scott Schroeder, the head men's golf coach at the University of North Florida. Thanks again, Scott. Well, that's all the time we have for this show. I'd like to thank my guest, Scott Schroeder, the head men's golf coach at the University of North Florida. And again, you can find this podcast on your favorite podcast platform or on our website, onthegreenconsulting.com. I'm your host, Tim Eiley. And until next time, Try to keep it in the short grass.